What's up, everybody? Welcome to the View from Jamestown podcast edition. This is episode 21. We have two very special guests sitting in front of me. I have TCC CEO Nick Roach and TCC President Rob Roach. Good morning, guys. Morning. Good morning, Ben. Thank you guys for sitting down this morning. Looking forward to the conversation. A um, couple things we definitely want to talk about. Uh, certainly the early days of TCC and then get your guys' insight into how the chemical industry has changed and shifted in, in your guys' experience and how long it's been, um, as well as kind of getting your, your views for the future and seeing what we're seeing today. And, you know, TCC has been incorporated now for 30 years, celebrated our 30-year anniversary last year, and looking forward to certainly at least another 30 years. Uh, so I think a lot of, lot, lot of different conversations to, to have and things to talk about. Um, but I think a good jumping off point, Nick, uh, maybe you want to start kind of the early days of TCC and even your, your career in the chemi- chemical industry prior to that. Um, you want to talk about your, your early career and kind of what brought you to start TCC and, and where everything started from? Well, everything started actually, I came out of college and uh, went to work for Gulf Oil Company. And that first job was in the retail side of things. And uh, I always wanted to be in business for myself. And that's why I was attracted to the position. And at that time, it was just retail running working with service stations, managing service stations, doing things like that. And while doing that, I got a great background in running a business and the basics of business. And also I got a great background in accounting, uh, in accounting for small businesses. So I think that was probably the launch for the chemical company really back then. Uh, so anyway, uh, and what year was that when all that started? It started in 2000. It's, it started in 1967. Got it. And uh, so anyway, uh, uh, after years at, at Gulf, the first years uh, at the retail side, they put me in what was called diversified marketing, which was new ventures. And they also had a stint in uh, the management development program. And both those things sort of helped me get acclimated to the chemical industry because uh, you got exposed to the industrial side of things. Sure. And uh, probably at that point in time, it was where I sort of started looking at the industry and figuring it would be a good industry to be part of. And eventually uh, changed, left Gulf Oil, basically after seeing just cutbacks after cutbacks as we were going through a, decades of cutbacks in industries where they were because of the computer technology, they were eliminating tons of people, and uh, management was being pushed back down rather than advancing people at all. And it was kind of a depressing industry at the time, uh, just because of what was going on in the business world. It was not Gulf Oil, it was just the business world. And as you see there today, the, all the Texaco, Gulf Oil, and all these companies that were just big companies like Sunoco, and uh, they're all gone. And uh, that was a change with technology as things got depressed and they consolidated and change came, it was coming. I saw that coming and uh, felt that, you know, it was a good time to leave the industry and left and went into the chemical industry. Uh, at that time it was uh, with a, f- a family business and, uh, and spent some time there and uh, Got got a got acclimated to the chemical industry, but I already had my background in the industry, and was eventually went on my own in 1988. And what was that transition like? I mean, going from working with Gulf Oil for 15 years, 20 years, to did you wake up one morning and decide, hey, I'm going to start my own business, or what, what was that transition period like for you? 
there was always, I, as I said in the beginning, that I always wanted to be in business for myself. So I don't think there was really a transition. I was always acclimated to eventually have something on my own. Um, and so, so now it's 1988. You decided to go into business for yourself and set up the chemical company. Talk about those early first couple of years, 1988 into the early 90s. You know, what were those first couple of years like with early products you're selling and some of the first employees? I think the whole the the the, the whole thing that you know to have a successful start on biz, in a business is who you associate yourself with. Your first hires. And, uh, you know, the people that I hired at first, you know, only one is still with me, Forrest Goodman. Uh, but, you know, they were all great people. And uh, they did help me. And they gave me support. And it's that, I learned at that point in time that it's not only about yourself. It's about what who you surround you with and the team that you put together. And when I started the business, probably the one thing I didn't, probably comprehend is how important the personnel is and how important it is to have good people around you. And I learned that probably, I'd say, within the first few years and focused on it. And uh, actually, being in Jamestown rather than in New York City, because technology changed things and made it possible to be here, uh, I was able to attract probably people with a higher level of education, people with a broader background, and had some better personnel than I probably could have if I had opened in New York City or New Jersey or someplace where there was a far higher demand. Yeah, I remember you telling stories about you having, I think, the first either phone or fax machine on Jamestown and everyone coming over to just to use your phone. Yeah, I mean, it was, it, I was... Uh, fax machine, yeah. Yeah. I, it, was, it was funny. I had, a, I had a chance at a big order for the new company. Uh, with a company in Montreal, and it was for rail cars of phenol. And I had the purchase orders, and I missed out on one of the rail cars because someone else, he told me that I had to confirm it with a fax. And the only way, I didn't have a fax at that time. I, I had to go through uh, UPS and send, send a, text, a message. And uh, by the time it got here, that one of the rail cars was gone, and I lost the sale because of that. And so that afternoon, I went out and bought a fax machine. And uh, that's got us into the fax industry. And uh, soon after, that fax machine burned out because I, the guy, the technician that came and said, well, these aren't made for that many faxes. This is a personal <laughs> fax machine. And uh, so I had to go out and buy even another fax machine soon after. But uh, yep. the fax machine then was the computer of the industry. Everything was by fax. Yeah, the early days were, I can remember, because 88, I was just in high school, was lean years. We didn't have any money. You know, there was everything that my parents had was being invested in this new venture. And uh, so going to buy a fax machine was a very big deal. It yep. was a critical time. So, um, and we were just in a one-room uh, sort of apartment above the pharmacy here in Jamestown. And because, only because the technology the the invention of the facts were we really able to have a corporate office at a place that was away from the ports and you know the terminals and the producing partners so um and i think that the struggle that i remember that we had then is really what motivated me when i came into the company to build this company and to work with my father to to try and build something so we could feel secure that lack of security when you have no money a lot of us have felt that it's it's not a comfortable feeling and um you know 
that's a, that's a real motivator. And that's a good transition as well into, you know, your high school days and your college days mm-hmm. and kind of how you, you know, your background and how you got involved in the business. Yeah, I was not a good kid. <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, do you agree? You know. Do you agree, Nick? <laughs> it's genetic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he was either. So we're not, we're, we're both, uh, not, you know, we're not genetically inclined to education. You know, we're not, we don't fit the mold. So I went to a, a parochial high school here in Rhode Island, all boys, uh, Catholic high school, and um, went to my father's alma mater, which was Syracuse, and um, managed to, to last a year up there in the uh, in the uh, wasteland of Syracuse. Yeah, I can see you doing well in Syracuse. <laughs> no, I, I'm being a water nut. Um, Stop knocking it. <laughs> yeah, it was it was not a nice place, but it's a great education that my father got there, and uh, but um, yeah, you know we. Uh, the early days were interesting, and then uh, I, you know, very proud of my father for the success that he made from literally nothing. I mean, we we started with zero, and by the time I even stepped foot in the door in '97, he had grown it to, you know, a multi-million dollar company, and and you know, with just a few employees. So he struggled. He was gone a lot. Uh, Mom would hold down the fort. He'd be a road warrior out on the road all week, making personal calls, and that's. That's what's sort of thrust the chemical company into who we are today. We're a personal company that makes personal sales calls with great customer service, great information sharing, and it was the legacy that my father started and gained success that really put us to where we are today and and are continuing our success. And maybe talk about some of those early years too with you in the business. You said you came in in 97. So like the late 90s and early 2000s, what were those like being involved with, with the business and and where it was then versus, you know, where it is now? Well, the business was already established um, to some extent. Um, I think we were about nine point something million in sales a year at that time, a little bit more. Um, but it, it was, um, you know, that was mainly in some of our, our original products, which, you know, I think you, you know, I think you had originally the urea and the methanol and the formaldehyde were your three new original products. Actually, actually, uh, the number of orders we had then was almost, it was close to some of the numbers we have today, but the difference was we had a lot of commissioned orders that uh, we didn't handle through the office, and they were very low margin uh, sales, uh, and so you know we had probably more more revenue than it looked like, uh, but uh, it was still marginal. And uh, yeah, because of our our financial situation, we just. We, we couldn't hold the paper so much in the beginning, so you'd have to take a very single, small, single-digit commission on a large sale that, that you know, uh, Nick or Forrest or whoever um, managed to get. And so um, so there was a lot of very high-volume, uh, low-price commodity sales that were uh, single-digit commissions. And some of the first products? Well, probably the first two major projects we sold were commodities, urea and methanol, and uh, and then we sold malic and hydride, quite a bit of that. And uh, but they were all commodities. And uh, at that time, I would say the world was much bigger, and uh, importing from internationally wasn't as as normal as it's become in recent decades. Uh, and we represented companies, countries in Europe, and outside the. USA, and uh, that was that was a little different when I walked through the door. I probably the first 
urea relationship I had was with a Canadian company in Maitland, Ontario, and it was just across the border from the U.S. And uh, so I, they had a great product, and I discovered them and built a relationship. But I would go to customers who were 60 miles from that plant who had no idea it existed wow. because it was in Canada. And uh, it was so different. When you were talking about crossing a border, people just didn't know what was there. And uh, I'd call on a customer and say, well, you know, how, where are you getting urea now? And they'd say, well, we're bringing it in by rail car. We're doing this, we're doing that. And so I could say, well, I can bring it in by truck and have it here in two to four hours. And they just look in a state of shock. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, price wasn't the issue. I mean, at that point, the level of service that you could provide was tremendous. And that nothing that they were used to. They were used to giving months' notice and bringing a rail car and rail cars getting lost and having problems getting it there. And then unloading rail cars is not easy. And suddenly I could bring it in truck and they could call me in the morning and have it that afternoon. Uh, whole different world yeah. and uh, I, I have to say that I introduced a lot of a lot of vendors to Canadian sourcing back then that it seemed like it was as far away as today China would be so now it's late 1990s you said you graduated 1997 joined the, the TCC business um, and what, what does the company look like at that point how many employees are in the office you know how, how are how are things running in the late 90s early 2000s as you're getting involved with the business well, it was a real tumultuous year for me personally. Uh, graduated from college, had at that time gotten my girlfriend pregnant, had at that time discovered that mom had cancer, um, you know, had um, still was just fresh out of college and seemed like the whole world was imploding, you know. And um, my father said, you know, why don't you come and, and work at TCC? And um, my, my plan was to go to New York and trade stocks and bonds and, you know, travel the world and, and honestly go surfing and, you know, go to the North Shore of Oahu and, and surf pipeline and things like that. And that all sort of crumbled when mom got sick. And sure. um, she was she only did part time work at TCC, but she was obviously a big part of, uh, of our lives. So, um, you know, with the thought that she was going to have some of the best care, hopefully, and, and that she'd survive. Um, you know, I came and worked at TCC, and my father and I would travel back and forth with her to Boston and, you know, really get her care. Um, so that was a pretty pretty crazy time. And training-wise, I think uh, my father and I talked, We you know, we obviously before I was even working with the company, I'd travel with him. I knew people. Um, they were, you know, that I think that back to the relationship piece, the people would be at our house having dinner that were suppliers, customers. Um, we talk about things like super sacks and bags and, you know, totes and drums and all that sort of stuff. So I had a little bit of education coming in, but we didn't really have like a, you know, a training program. It sure. was just, here's a phone, yep. find some business. Yep. And uh, so the early days were, were, were pretty cool, you know. Um, we're talking like six, seven desks on, on Narragansett Ave. Yeah, six, seven desks. We actually had a real estate office in the front of the building that we took over. I was the first person to sit in the front. Uh, desk uh, in the front office that was part of TCC. Yep. So I think in the back we had you know six or seven desks, and then we put two in and uh, one huge desk. Uh, 
my father's roommate from college gave us this huge, like, you know, Trump-style desk. And yeah. that's where I started out. It was just me in the front and a huge desk. And uh, and eventually we filled it up with Kerry and Pat. And we had, I think at one point before we left, we had four or five, uh, you know, office desks in the front plus a meeting area. So um, it took till about 2013 uh, when we finally moved out of, or 2014 that we finally moved out of that first office there, so. And so that was my next point, is at what point do you get to the, you know, the point where you're expanding out of this Narragansett Ave office and you realize, you know, you need more space and you're considering what the next steps are for the company? Actually, uh, well, it's kind of amazing to me is how much business we did conduct in that small building yep. and how many people we had crammed in there at the end. Uh, we did take space in the building next door and uh, it was kind of a dump actually and uh, we, you know, we, we used that for I'd say two years, three years. Um, but we were always able to uh, get the, you know, it, it was kind of a homey atmosphere. I, I sort of missed that atmosphere where I was in the middle of everything and heard every conversation in the bit building uh that was kind of great fun i mean sort of i feel a little isolated now in my own office uh but uh and actually it's probably healthier for me at my age but at the time i just liked the excitement of being in the office and knowing everything that was going on and i think everybody sort of you know managed to know what was going on it was part of our success and so this is 2013 2014 you start realizing you know maybe you need need some more space well we were looking well ahead before that i mean yep. we were looking in industrial parks and outside of jamestown and you know we were you know we were looking since probably 2010 2011 uh we knew it was inevitable we'd have to move out of that office and and go somewhere where we could have more space more space for tcc and our other companies which um certainly were built to complement TCC and we can probably talk about them in a, in a little bit but yep. um, no the uh, we were looking everywhere and I think at one point my father and I decided that we love where we live and we love the town uh, we wanted to sort of focus and narrow our focus in, in, into Jamestown and having the office and building a a great community here in Jamestown rather than going somewhere and you know uh, doing brick and mortar and a warehouse and all that sort of stuff we can always lease that stuff what we wanted was a nice environment for for us to work selfishly but also for our employees and uh, that's when we found the uh, town building here in Jamestown was for sale they had taken care of it none for years and it was going to be a big project, but um, we went to the town and negotiated a fair deal for it, and that was the beginning of our new corporate location. I think the biggest thing was we were restricted on how much we could spend. Right. And uh, we, we had other opportunities, and, you know, buildings had come up and they'd be available, but really, truthfully, overpriced. And any building we bought was going to have to be changed dramatically to, to fit our needs. And uh, I think... Probably looking back, one of the best decisions I made was uh, when I sent an email out to all the employees, and that email I asked what they wanted in a new building. And, I mean, I didn't send it to just the uh, people who were going to be in the office. I sent it to every salesman. And everybody sort of came up with a suggestion, and I came up with a laundry list that, you know, was probably two pages long. And uh, rather than looking at it and editing it, I just sent it to the architect and said, but you incorporate all this in the new building. And he did. Uh, Bill did a terrific job. 
and he he looked at that list and saw reason for all of it. And uh, so the new building was really a monumental change because it was, everybody had a little uh, of what they were looking for, had something vested in the building and were part of what it is today. And, uh, you know, I think most employees can look around and say, that was my idea. And uh, so I think that's really what, fun. I mean, to, to have everybody look at say, oh, this was my idea. Yeah, I think it's safe to say you, you met all those goals and more. I mean, I enjoy when someone comes in for the first time for a meeting or whatnot and they you know, walk in the front door and look around. They all have the same look in their eyes. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, a, it's a great place to work, absolutely. Some of the thing is we do have a lot of art around the building and everything else and probably looks like, wow, how much money you spend and everything else. But all the art is local artists. Yep. And uh, they're all people that are friends. And there's so much involved in the building that, you know, that is personal, that this was my friend or Linda's friend that was that did art, and this this was uh, actually Fran's friend growing up that did art. And uh, we have some beautiful art in the building, but uh, it's all art of love and other people that were friends that uh, created it for us. And here we are five, six, seven, eight years from that process, and here we are looking at a, a brand new building out back too, which is amazing to see. Yeah, I think that, you know, my father's point about art and the creativity is, uh, it's, a, it's a good one. We're, we're, you know, I think that the reason why the chemical company has grown and is a success is because of sort of not your normal vision of, of, of what a company is and should be. Um, it's a very different, and what I would say artistic approach to it. If we have a need, we try and fulfill it. And we don't just do it by throwing money at it. We do it by getting creative. And, uh, you know, his love of art is is very, it's an inflection of, of this company as well, because, um, you know, we're, we're not the normal company. And we're not, um, you know, looking at people's expenses and cutting costs and nickel and diming everything. We're we're trying to lead, um, you know, with integrity and good business and good values and creating a homey, nice atmosphere for our employees and trust between our employees and us rather than, you know, just breaking the bank, you know, or breaking the numbers to, to make the last penny. So um, I think that's a, you know, that's a good reflection of why the art is so important here at our cor- corporate office. Yep, absolutely. And now we've got this new building out back we just finished continuing our expansion, investing in sales and marketing, which is what we are. We're a sales and marketing company. So we're bringing on new sales associates here um, at our corporate office as well as well as in the field. Uh, we're growing our customer service. We're growing our logistics. Um, we're investing where it's important in our business. I mean, the chemical company created its own advertising, created its own name. I mean, the name, the chemical company, when I first named it, well, Linda and I first named it, it, it was not a popular thing to do. People didn't want to identify with chemicals, and they would stare away from it. And it was sort of like, this is what I do. Why, you know, why not be proud in what I do? You know, why not just say it? And that's how the chemical company got named. It's a name that tells you what we are, and it was kind of amazing when BASF took the tagline. Thanks you, BASF, for advertising <laughs> for us. It was great. But. Well, I mean, it's the, the most creative name you could have come up with, and, you know, it's, uh, well, it's so simple, but 
when Google came around, it was brilliant. Well, I was going to say, now we're in a world of Google and SEO and all this stuff, and it couldn't be a better name. Couldn't be a better name. Couldn't think of any better. But, yeah. but it is funny how companies were going to X-Ben company or something like that, some crazy names. They call them solutions. And, they were uh, a solutions you know, company. You know, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't identify with who they were. And uh, I have... I am proud of the chemical industry. I think it's a very honorable industry. I've, I've known thousands of people in this industry. They're good people. They have good intentions. Yes, mistakes have been made. We have polluted. We've done things that were not been great. Uh, mistakes have been made with chemistry over the years. Mistakes have made with medication, stuff like that. But how many millions of people have been saved by this industry? It's, it's incomprehensible to think about how many people have been saved by chemicals, and it far exceeds any negatives. Yeah, I think that, that kind of brings us to a good transition of, you know, here we are, 2018, 2019, sorry. Um, <laughs> I'd be curious to get both of your thoughts. I think you'll each have some similar but some different opinions on, on both questions is kind of how the chemical industry has changed or evolved for the better or for the worse, or maybe both. Um, from when both of you got involved in the industry up until today. Um, and then as a separate question, kind of what you expect to see in the future, but kind of starting with your experience in the chemical industry, whether it be 50 years or, or 20 years, how has the industry changed and evolved and, and how have you seen companies and the people in the industry change over time since, since you've been involved with the industry? I think what I've watched over the years is a card game. It's like somebody buying somebody, somebody shutting down something, it, it's been constant. You know, one day someone's opening all these plants, the next day they're shutting down all these plants. Uh, one day they're profitable, the next day they're not profitable. You know, companies have, that hardly existed became huge companies overnight when they bought, made acquisitions of some chemical that was in the dumps, and suddenly that product became short in supply, and they grew to huge proportions. I mean, it's really been kind of interesting to watch. Uh, but it's an ever-evolving industry. It's not going to change. That is going to be part of the future of the industry. We're going to see continue, probably not consolidation. Everybody says consolidation. But as fast as things consolidate, new companies start up and grow. And uh, with technology, it's going to change. There's going to be all sorts of new chemistry out there. And uh, so... Uh, what is now the big company could become a small company. I mean, just as crazy as it sounds, is a company the size of Exxon could become a small company suddenly if, in fact, someone developed a new energy source. I mean, and those, that's the sort of stuff, the radical stuff that could change everything. And, uh, you know, it won't change if Exxon develops it, but, uh, you know, it's, but things are changing. They're changing rapidly. I think in my career, what you know, what I've seen is um, local to global. That's you know the bottom line of my career. What I've seen, I mean, the opportunities have expanded, you know, thousandfold because of the you know the globalization of business. And I think that um, it was just timing when I came in that I saw the very beginning stages of of that, and um, that's changed our business forever. Um, and um, it's continuing to be more global. It's just getting smaller. And I think that um, in the beginning of this conversation, we talked about how people didn't even know 60 miles away was a urea plant. 
Now you can just Google it and then find out about it. When I got out of college, I remember telling my father that there's this thing called the internet coming out. It's going to put us out of business. And he said, no, there will always be relationships. And um, he was right because, um, you know, our business has grown despite technology um, by focusing on relationships. And um, so the future is going to be more products channeled, I believe, through companies like ours because we give the customer service the logistics, we manage the deliveries in a global footprint. It's a long pipeline to fill from the end of the Middle East to the U.S., etc. They need customer service. They need people to manage these transactions. It's improving, but we still need people for that, and that's what we're investing in right now. Yeah, I think one thing you said is definitely true, too. It's some companies focus too much on their relationships. Some companies are trying to put everything in technology, and the companies that are going to succeed can do both of those together. I mean, we're obviously leveraging relationships with our suppliers and in-person meetings and things like that. At the same time, we still need our CRM system and accounting software. You know, Both have to work together. It's not just relationships or Nope, you're gonna place your own orders through our own portal and get rid of the relationships. Mm. You gotta, you gotta do both. It's gotta work in synergy. Yeah, the uh, the one thing I've noticed in my, you know, now over 20 years career is how this chemical industry jumps on trends, and um, they leave behind the relationship trend when they do so, mm-hmm. and uh, they spend a tremendous amount of money for something that inev- inevitably fails. Um, so um, we try and avoid trends as much as we can, and we just try and stay focused and steadfast at doing uh, good business and making sure that the quality is there, the customer service is there, relationship is there, and that we're delivering the best products that we can and securing that supply chain. If we see an issue in the supply chain, we hop on it and we do something to change it to make sure that that isn't going to affect a delivery uh, or a relationship. So, uh, And then you know, I think uh, earlier my father mentioned that we're, we've created uh, outside companies. We're doing a podcast right now with Kettlebottom. They're a a marketing company, a technology, a creative company. Uh, Kettlebottom is, um, you know, a company that uh, has grown our web presence, grown our SEO, grown and taken the view from Jamestown, which I started with a blind carbon copy because the first thing my father said was get on the road, get in front of people and give them good information and eventually you'll get an order. Well, I couldn't do that because people were multitasking. They were doing purchasing. They were doing... Um, AR, AP, they were just piling jobs on people and eliminating people to save costs. So I couldn't necessarily sit for an hour and talk about the industry. So I blind carbon copied and sent out updates as things would change in the industry. And that grew into the view from Jamestown. Was that just the body of an email? Was it a Word document? What were you doing? It was just the body of an email. I had my customers and our relationships and our people that we had relationships with. And I just blind carbon copy the list of, you know, I copy and paste in some, it started with 30 emails and Eventually went to 60, 90, 100, and you know, people would call me and say, can you add me to that list? And if I heard something or read something, I'd get it out there as quickly as possible to my customer base. And that information would eventually give them, save them money a lot of times. If something was going to get tight or prices were going to go up or go down, it saved them money. So they appreciated that, and that would open a door for our relationship. And, what and what year is that, more or less, would you say? I think in 97, when I came in the company, I had the AOL dial-up. You know, the <laughs> I had that. So it had to be, it had to be like 2000, 2001, where we had yeah. like Outlook, you know, on our desktops and we were emailing regularly because, uh, 
you know, email when I first came in in 97 was not something, you know, I, my father didn't even know how to type. He'd have somebody <laughs> type for him. So I remember hearing him, you know, now he's typing pretty fast. But I remember when, you know, the keyboard to hear him trying to type an email was finger, one finger at a yeah. time to start. And yeah. imagine being whatever, 50 some years old and, and learning how to type. So, um, but yeah, that was, you know, and then today we're at a, no, a next level of a problem, which is logistics. Logistics is a nightmare. It's um, moving freight around the world is, is, a, is, a, is just an absolute nightmare. In the United States, it's even worse. ELD mandates, uh, trucker shortages, now rail congestion. It goes on and on and on. So we developed another outside resource called the logistics company. And that manages a lot of freight for us and other people. And that's been another outside company that we got creative and we said we need to do this. Started the company from scratch. Built the company now to, it's, it's, a, it's a major company doing a lot of freight for a lot of uh, friends of ours and a lot of other businesses that we don't even know. Um, so this business is on its own. It's growing. It's doing its thing. And it was all because there was a problem and we wanted a solution. I think that one of the things that we never shied from technology I was, you know, as tight as we were at time financially, I was always willing to invest. Rob went off to college with probably the first laptop at Syracuse University. Yeah, IBM laptop. And, uh, I mean, I bought what was the best IBM laptop I could, because I figured that's what his future was going to be. Mm. And uh, he he, grew, he started college with a laptop when no one else had one. Uh, I had the first cell phone, actually. I had put been on waiting list for a cell phone in the car, but they said only doctors could have them. And I got a call from a saleswoman, and she just said, you know, we have brand new technology. It's called analog. And uh, I had the first analog phone. And uh, people get in my car and go, oh, my God, you have a cell phone? <laughs> I mean, so, uh, you know, and that that gave me freedom from the office and uh, to get out and be out there and have people in the staff in touch with me all the time. So... We've never shied from technology. It's a good thing that we embrace it, but uh, we still there's a blend of technology and relationships that we always work to keep. And I guess so. Now it's 2019. It's not 2018. I'll get that one right this time. <laughs> Assuming we'll be around at least another 30 years, if not you know much longer. You know what? What are no no one can predict the future. But if you're sitting here today in 2019, what are, what are you seeing in the future? industry-wide, um, chemical distribution, industry-specific, and, and even bigger picture than that, you know, what are some of the things you'd, you'd high-level give a, a projection at that, you know, you'll see changing and continuing to evolve? Everything's going to change. Uh, but, you know, we are not, I want to make this public now, we are not working on drone deliveries. <laughs> <laughs> I am personally. <laughs> but, I mean... Uh, there's a there's just going to be it's as I say it's it's crazy that it might be there could be the drone deliveries there could be things that we don't even comprehend now uh, I think there'll be chemistry we don't comprehend now so uh, what you have to be is knowledgeable you have to study what changes are coming and be part of them and keep your customers informed on what direction they need to go uh, that's the important thing if if a customer knows they can trust your opinion and that you're going to give them good direction and that you're going to help them, uh, that's probably the best thing you can do. Uh, I've had calls from customers saying, you saved my company when I gave them advice not to do things. And uh, that's probably one of the most rewarding moments you have when a guy says, you know, I would have lost my job. And, uh, 
And he was looking at a trend, going with the trend, and I said, don't go there. And, uh, mm. boy, that's loyalty. Yeah. And, of course, we're, you know, we can't see the future either, but you know, just continuing to push what we're seeing through our own eyes, and you know, people can take that info as, as they'd like to. You know, the, for me, the future looks bright because you know, we've got 30 years behind us of being a successful company. We've managed to save profits. Um, we've invested in this company, uh, saved money. Um, we've grown the company with um, you know, behind-the-scenes stuff is, is done very well. Our accounting, our financing, our finance, our uh, insurance, uh, we're protected, protected, protected. Um, we've developed... Um, you know, a system where we can expand and grow from even where we are today, which is, you know, a, a size of a company I never thought we'd get to. Um, and, um, you know, I think that is the, that's where my father is today is, is making sure that we're in a position for the future. And where I see the future in terms of chemical sales and distribution, we're doing bigger things. We're taking on all of the merchant market for a producing partner. A lot of times plants are integrated to make more downstream products. They don't want to bother with the sales and marketing of a particular upstream item. We'll take it all. We'll manage the marketing. We'll manage the sales. We'll feed the information back to the producing partner. Um, and we all win based on that. They don't have any cost of sales and marketing. Um, they don't. They sell exactly what they want to sell because we're very good at um, you know establishing forecasts and meeting forecasts. Um, these are the things that I see for us in the future is, is more of partnering with producing partners to sell globally or even in the Americas, Latin America, North America, um, South America. Um, these are the things that we'll continue to do. Now we're growing our global footprint. We're doing you know sales in other Asia, not China, but other Asia. We're doing sales in the EU. We've got REACH registered products, uh, doing some sales in the Middle East and Africa. So, um, you know, the world is, is our growth area. It's exciting. It's very exciting. It's amazing with technology and the relationships. We've, we've built the relationships up until the point where we have all these global opportunities now and we can fulfill them because we have the investments in technology. So it, it took that relationship piece in a lot of cases to now build on the technology that's here and continue to execute on both of them. Yeah, it's a lot, it's a lot for us to... Uh, to you know, think about, you know, the, the, the amount of opportunity that's out there and, you know, the growth regions that we can take advantage of by supplying them with products. And we can do it. We could, we could ship from Vietnam to Senegal. You know, we could ship from Senegal to, you know, uh, Philippines. You know, we, we can handle that. No problem. Um, which, give us which, the opportunity. Which seems easy today, but I'm sure when you started, something like that would be, you know, just completely absurd well i i never thought would have people in the company that speak mandarin people in the company that speak spanish people in the company yeah, portuguese that most of the romantic languages uh we've always we've been over backwards to get good solid people that are not only familiar with our culture but are familiar with world cultures uh it's been a it's been a great change and it's introduced me to the, how wonderful a world we live in. Wrapping things up, anything else you would like to mention, say, talk about the industry or you know, where, where things are heading? Any other final thoughts to wrap things up? Well, wherever the industry's going, we'll be following and we'll be part of it and leading the way. I think that's a good summary. Thank you guys for taking the time this morning. I think it was hopefully very insightful for a lot of different people. 
Um, as always, you know, please subscribe to the podcast. You're more than welcome to find the TCC podcast in any of the major podcast channels or at thechemco.com slash podcast. Uh, we appreciate you listening or watching wherever you guys are, are checking us out on, and we will catch you next time. Thank you, Ben. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.